How's it going, everyone? Jeff Johnson from the Gazette with uh, my friends and cohorts, Jeff Linder, KJ Filter, for another edition of the Prep Huddle Podcast, talking all things high school football, week seven, um, the penultimate regular season week for the smaller classes, if I may use that word. Uh, guys, how's it going? Great. How <laughs> What uh, what did we learn from week six? Let's uh, let's just do that off the top. Did we learn much of anything in week six, guys? Oh, much more than we already knew after the first four or five weeks. Um, I think for a half, we learned that uh, Lindmark could compete with just about anybody. Um, uh, before you know, the, the wheels came off a little bit there in the second half, and Southeast Polk took took care of business there. Um, how about you, KJ? Uh, I just was really impressed with Kennedy. Um, you know, as well as they'd done leading up to that game, I thought that was uh, maybe uh, kind of a signature win for them. And if you know, if there's any doubt about the Cougars, I think they uh, they may have uh, answered any questions. The uh, it sounds like Hunter Jacobson may have uh, an ACL injury, so that's going to be a huge uh, loss the rest of the way for Cedar Falls. Jeff, you were at that game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when did he got he got hurt early? Is that correct? Yeah, I think it was early second quarter. Uh, it was still a ball game at that point. It was. I think it was 10 nothing uh, when, when he went down. Maybe maybe it was 7 nothing, 10 nothing. He went down. Uh, I think he was just uh, coming into the, the Kennedy bench there. I, I didn't really see, you know, what kind of hit there was there or, or any, you know, if it was contact or not. Um, then he just, you know, didn't get up right away. And, and then, you know, next thing you know, he's, you know, on crutches and street clothes in the second half. So uh, as far as what, what caused it, I don't know. KJ, where were you at last Friday night? You want to talk about uh, about your game? I was at Williamsburg um, for the Mid Prairie uh, Williamsburg game. Uh, you know that was uh, you know a game that came down to the wire. It was twenty four twenty one in favor of the Raiders. But uh, I tell you what, I was impressed with both teams. Um, Mid Prairie has some really good athletes, including uh, you know. The, I believe it's Will Cavanaugh, the quarterback, a uh, real dual threat uh, there, throws a decent ball and uh, runs really, really well. Um, you know, uh, Williamsburg, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of what you expect uh, from a Williamsburg team. They're, they're defense-oriented. Um, they do a very they're, – they're just real uh, fundamental – and hard nose uh, on the defensive side, um, you know, it's a, kind of a, a rush-oriented uh, offensive attack. But it, it was really interesting. In the first half, I think uh, I had Mid-Prairie three for three on fourth down conversions, and a couple of them led to touchdowns. Um, it resulted in touchdowns. Uh, you know, they had uh, a 14-3 lead at the uh, – at the break. Um, and then uh, Williamsburg kind of got a little bit of a, 
kind of a boost uh, in the run game. Uh, started running really, really physical, um, and just kind of took over. And of course, uh, you know those those stops that they didn't get in the first half, uh, they had to come through and and get it uh, um, late in the fourth quarter when Mid Prairie was down three and and driving inside the Williamsburg 10 and the secondary finally stepped up and, and got some stops that uh, they weren't able to do uh, before with two big pass uh, breakups. So uh, expect some good things out of both of them uh, here going forward. The I records was, uh... don't, their, their records do not, they're both two and three right now. And that is not uh, indicative of how good both of those teams are. Speaking of that, uh, I, I was at Mount Vernon last Friday night, uh, watched the Mustangs play Assumption. It's kind of the same thing. Mount Vernon's now, uh, after the Assumption's 24-12 to 12 win, Mount Vernon's 3-3. Three and three. But uh, it's a really good football team when you look at the losses that MV's had is Solon, Benton Community, and Downboard Assumption. So, um, And that's kind of what Coach Lance Peterson kind of, uh, you know, indicated was, you know, we're pretty good. It's just, you know uh, – the schedule's been really, really tough, and they've tried to get through it. And uh, boy, have either one of you seen Mount Vernon this season? Uh, I saw them against Bent Community uh, the week. That's right. That's right. Uh, I like Owen Brazzi. I don't know about you, Pilch, but he, he's a he's a really nice football player, and um, he plays quarterback most of the season. But they they they've uh, Very kinda, yeah yeah he plays some wide receiver as well. Um, you know, and then they, they'll bring in a sophomore, Joe Romberg, to be quarterback to get him the ball. And um, I think he's second on the team in rushing as well. Um, so really, really nice football player. And uh, the son of uh, Cornell College men or women's basketball coach, uh, Brett Brazzi, uh, oh. Owen is. So um, just a really nice player. And, you know, uh, they're not counting themselves out of the playoffs. I like Assumption as, as a team, too. There's another – team that that's played uh you know a lot of big big school competition and and that's where the two losses come from so uh it was nice to see a, a couple of pretty good 3a teams out there um last week so uh were there any other scores just kind of scrolling through here that that kind of you know tripped uh, your respective triggers at all guys we we talked a little bit about the linmar and, and southeast polk game that linmar led at halftime and um, you know, SCP took over in the second half for a 38-15 win. Um, Sigourney Kyoto, that was a nice win. Uh, beat previously unbeaten Eldon Cardinal 50-26. to uh, So, you know, Savage Cobras uh, obviously are, are for real. Um, you know, any other teams out there that uh, we, you know, 5A, I, I guess, uh, I'll answer my own question here. Uh, Ankeny gets beat by Valley, uh, 38 to 35, which kind of repeats the pattern of all the teams out there in central Iowa, just kind of, kind of, uh, beating each other. Right. Yeah. And then Southeast Polk comes over to Drury this week and, you know, that's a potential loss for, for the Rams. So, you know, we'll see what, what happens there. And it's obviously a big game for Prairie coming up. How many how many teams do you have officially in the playoffs right now, Jeff? I know you're you're keeping track of that. Um, well, let's see. Let me take. Let me get my standings up here. Two uh, A District Four: Walkine Union, North Fat Valley are in. 
Northeast is the only team in in 2A5. I've got Davis County, Williamsburg, and McCreary in in 2A6. Beckman in 1A4. Regina and West Branch in 1A5. They play each other on Friday. Uh, 1A6, uh, Sigurd Kyoto, Pella Christian, Central Decatur in. Cardinals close. Uh, A3, North Tama Grundy and Wapsier in. A4, North Lynn is in for sure. I think East Buchanan's in. Uh, I've put them in, them in, but there was some question about that. We'll, we'll leave them in as, for now. Uh, Lisbon's the only team in so far in A5. A6, Belt Plain, Linville, Sully, Ogden are in. Eight player three, Turkey Valley and Janesville are in. Eight player five, Easton Valley's in. Lansing Key's really, really close. Uh, eight player six, Waco, English Valleys are in. And Montezuma and Baxter are in. Eight player seven, and they played each other on Friday. And that winner will pro- uh, almost definitely be the district champ. Um, I believe we got our first uh... – did we finally get our first <clears throat> RPI for the, for the big schools? Yeah. Uh, I was looking to see how it compared to what I did. It's just about identical. Um, let me find it here, what they've got. Uh, for 5A, they've got it for 3A, 4A, 5A. So you can kind of tell who the, who the contenders are for those last four spots in, in 4A and 3 as well. Uh, Southeast Polk and Valley have kind of leapfrogged City High and Kennedy. They're 5-1. They're and one. Southeast Polk is one, Valley's two at five and one. Uh, City High and Kennedy are three, four, despite being six and oh. Prairie's at five, so uh, Linmar's at seven. Cedar Falls is 12. Dubuque Senior's 13. So that's that pretty much takes care of the, uh, you know, the Eastern Iowa teams. Uh, Pleasant Valley's at nine. Uh, Iowa City West is down at 25. Bettendorf and West play this week. They're 24 and 25, so that's basically an elimination game. Loser, that one's almost definitely out. We, uh, when, when you look at this, folks, you, you might wonder, well, how can how can teams that have lost be have a higher RPI than teams that don't? Uh, opponent's record is is big in, into the formula, uh, and if you look at that. Um, you know, Southeast Polk and West Des Moines Valley, who are one, two, their opponents' records are 30 and 24. Contrarily, then City High and Kennedy, who are, who are three and four in the RPI, their opponents' records are just 20 and 34. Uh, so that kind of explains it. Explains why when Lindmark's down at, at seven uh, with just one loss, uh, you know, their opponents' records are 21 and 33. So um, that's, that's kind of where, uh, you know, opponents' record plays big into this, right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, that's uh... – uh, 37.5% of the, uh, the factor, same as team record is 37.5 opponents, opponents, uh, record is 25%. That's, uh, that's how you set this thing out. So, um, you know, I don't know where they came up with it. I guess it makes sense. Uh, and I think once we get to, to week eight, week nine, it'll be, it'll be a fairly accurate representation of who belongs where. Uh, just looking at the 4A RPI, North Scott is, is number one. Then it's Xavier uh, at number two ahead of uh, a couple of unbeaten teams, uh, Bondurant, Farrar, and Fort Madison, which are 3-4. And then uh, Clear Creek and Man is up there at, at number five, which was uh, a little bit of a surprise maybe to me, but um, ahead of Indianola, Norwalk, Waverly, Shell Rock, Winterset, Newton, which, which kind of um, rounds out the, the top ten there and then uh in in 3a it's uh bhrv boyd hole rock valley number one then nevada at number two humboldt at three and then harland is four and we've had 
everybody's had Harlan ranked number one all season. Uh, Harlan's four in the RPI. Uh, bottom five are, are uh, in, Independence is five, and then the, the uh, bottom five in the top ten are Solon, West Delaware, Algona, Sergeant Bluff, Luton, and uh, Adel DeSoto, Minburn. So, um, and the thing you really need to look at in 3A and 4A is, you know, what district are they in? Because the top two in each district are in automatically. So there's only four RPI teams that are going to get in, and it'll be the, the third. And I suppose in some in may, possibly some cases, uh, four-place teams are getting in. But, uh, you, know, you, you look hard at the third-place teams and see which four of those six are probably the top, uh, top contenders for the world. We've got, and it's interesting to me, I'm just looking at uh, scanning the RPI here in 3A, there's um, there's only, uh, let's see, 15, so it's uh, 16, 17, 18, it's only 18, 17 teams that have winning records, 17 of the 36 uh, in 3A have, have winning records right now, um, which to I me, I guess. Probably lose to four A teams uh, before they get into district play, and that's probably why that's the case. Yep, for sure. Um, so we got uh, what two more weeks, as we said, for the smaller classes, and then their their uh, postseason starts. Or uh, if you don't make the postseason, you can schedule another regular season game against uh, someone to get nine games in if you want to. And then the bigger classes, uh, well, it's the straight nine week regular season, and and then the playoffs. So. Um, that's just the way it kind of looks. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon, and we do have a couple of games on Thursday evening. Um, out of Kingston Stadium, Waterloo West will play Cedar Rapids Jefferson, and then uh, uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy will be down at uh, Brady Street Stadium to take on Davenport West. Um, guys, you KJ, do you worry about Kennedy with uh, you know, coming off such a big win, you know, emotionally? Uh, playing a, against an opponent that, you know, it should beat handily. I mean, do you have to worry about that at all? Um, I I don't think so. Um, you know, and, and not taking anything away from uh, who they're facing right now, but um, I, I just think they're at a spot right now that uh, talent-wise, um, you know, they – they really can get through this unscathed, even even if they're caught. Um, you know, kind of looking ahead to Johnston uh, next week. Um, I just don't think Davenport West has enough to really kind of hang with them. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a trap game at all. Um, I don't think it's going to be a good opportunity for them to use this as a, as a way to kind of iron some stuff out for next week, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I think that's uh, going to be a pretty good test against Johnston. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying they'll go through the motions, but I, I think they'll be fine either way um, against Davenport West. I don't know. Hopefully you all got online and read a little bit about Jefferson's situation. It was uh, um, went over to practice the other day to – to talk to, you know, a couple some seniors that have kind of been uh, through the program here and for f all four years and um, everybody knows their situation with the numbers. And uh, it appears, at least right now, that, that the Jayhawks are going to be able to um, to finish out the season. Um, 
think I had counted 25 guys at varsity practice um, the other day, and that includes that included every sophomore um, too. So they kind of been kind of picking and choosing sophomores to, to try and make you know to, to come up and play varsity to try and uh, make sure that they have can play a game. They have enough numbers to play a game. So we'll have a, a combined freshman sophomore team uh, to play before varsity. So I uh, thought it was really, it was good. These, those, the, again, I mean, we've talked about it all fall, how much respect I think we have for, for those seniors, especially that, that kind of stuck it out um, mm-hmm. under, under, you know, pretty, pretty bad conditions. I mean, you guys have that respect for, for those kids, um, you know, certainly for just, for just sticking it out. Oh, of course. Um, I, I think if you look at it, you know, just going out there. Okay, so this season, the regular season ends up being nine weeks. And those nine weeks, you're looking at, uh, you know, four to, you know, four and a half uh, days of practice in addition to the games, right? Um, so that's you know, mid mid forties as far as days go, where you're where you're putting your body through, you know, the the, the physical nature of the game. That doesn't include, you know, what you're doing leading up to week one or week zero for some. That's that's a lot of time devoted to it. Uh, that's a lot of work. Uh, a lot of soreness, a lot of achiness that you're fighting just to go out there on Friday nights. And in Jefferson's case, it's been to go out there and get mauled just because of numbers and the talent level. You know, their best players, you know, left for the most part. And let's let's call it what it is. They left. They they abandoned their their classmates for, you know, whatever reason that might be, um, you know, whatever. But I have a lot of respect for these kids, especially when, you know, you have some people that are probably able-bodied and uh, could be out for the team that decide not to. I'll take those kids that are going out there on the field and getting their butts handed to them over the people in the stands that, you know, that uh, might be critical because they're out there and they're playing. So kudos to those guys. You know, it may not result in wins, but the product and the and the rewards that they're gonna re- they're gonna reap will will come later and be off the field. There are, there are a lot of things that they're gonna learn and that they're gonna be better for just by being a part of this situation, even if it doesn't result in wins. So yes. Uh, kudos in respect to those kids who are uh, who are battling and taking the field um, under the circumstances. And they're going to get feeded. The seniors, the seniors are tonight. Uh, it's senior night for uh, for Jefferson, so that'll be uh, very appropriate, especially this season for for those kids to to get their due um, publicly. Uh, yeah. I guess. JJ, so. you had something. Uh, you shared a quote and I'm not sure if you used it in your story or not, but the quote about one of the players that, is, that has stuck out and that has stuck it out. 
And the thing that he kind of mentioned was, you know, the, the trust that he has in the guys that are lining up with him right now. And that, that is uh, absolutely true in sports that, you know, there, there's a bond and, and there's a connection that you have with those people, you know, with the time spent together and all the effort and uh, stuff that you do together, that you're going to trust them. You're going to rely on them. And when things get bad down the road, off the field, or you need some, some help, those are the people that you're going to be able to turn to and understand uh, they're reliable. They're the ones that you can count on. And I, I think that's another lesson that uh, these guys are, are learning. Who uh, is going to be there for them in the future? And, and I think these guys have a grasp on that. Yeah, no, go ahead, Jeff. No, please. Uh, you know, just, just kind of piggybacking on what KJ said. They're, they're, they're most likely going to go over nine this year. But these kids that stick it out are more likely to be better workers down the road, better students down the road, better husbands, better fathers. Yes. And you have to respect that. 100%. And, you know, one of the, one of the kids, uh, you know, Zane Wilson, I, you know, he mentioned about how it's for me now, it, you know, yeah, we were given a bad, a bad hand, a bad hand, but uh, it's about us, you know, making everybody else better for, for the future of the program, you know? How refreshing is that? You know, he's there to help the other classes and, and, and to, you know, to, to make sure that they're better players uh, as they move forward in their varsity careers, you know, and, and that was so refreshing to see because, you know, it just seems like there are a lot of athletes today. It's all about me, me, me. And, um, you know, he's, he's saying, no, it's not, it's about the program. It's about, you know, trying to do what we can to, to help them in the future. So, um, Good on you, boys. Good on all of you that that stuck it out. And uh, um, you know, I know there's a lot of awful lot of people that are proud of uh, proud of you uh, for that. So, and maybe maybe four or five years down the road, maybe this is a playoff team, and people will look back and say the turning point in this program was that awful 0-9 year when we didn't quit, when we didn't when we didn't um, abandon the season. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're freshmen. They got a lot of freshmen. It's uh, upwards of, of maybe 40, 40 kids and, and they've been competitive this season. And I think that might be where, where it starts to build, um, you know, for the program moving forward and all those freshmen have, uh, you know, have, have kind of stuck together. They've on one team on the freshman team, they haven't been called up or anything like that. And that was, I think purposeful to, to kind of keep that group together and, I think they, uh, you know, uh, Coach Chris Busing and everybody over there kind of sees um, the freshman as as the class that that maybe might start getting this whole thing turned around. So, uh, good luck to everybody over there. I guess that's that's all I have to say. So, um, let's do a couple. Of, you know, I, I hope you you folks are reading the the four downs that KJ Pilcher puts together because they're really it's really good stuff. Um, questions, uh, you know, and and we kind of add our. Uh, input for better or worse, all of us, uh, Jeff and me, and and uh, you know obviously Pilch and 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 Nathan Ford. But I just got a couple of uh, questions, I guess maybe we could expound upon um, from from that segment the other day. Is uh, 
coach of the year front runner right now. Um, there's a lot of really good candidates when you sit here and think about it, right, guys? Yeah, yeah there, there really are, especially when you think of the number of uh, programs that welcome, you know, that have new head coaches uh, this year. Um, you know, you don't have to look too far to see, you know, Mitch Mort City High and uh, Tim Lovell at Linmar, Matt Hattie at Clear Creek, Amana. Um, you know, they've, they've all done great uh, so far this season. Uh, Jared Collum up at uh, North Lynn is, is unbeaten. Um, you know, and, and the thing we haven't even really touched on much is the fact that Mark, what, I mean, you know, Prairie's got uh, a one loss so far and they spent the majority of the season to this point without uh, their full cast and crew. Um, so that's been, uh, uh, you know, they're one play away from being unbeaten. So Mark Bliss is somebody that's uh, done well, but uh, you look up and down the, the classes, um, you know, there are uh, uh, really good candidates uh, throughout. And KJ, you didn't, you haven't even mentioned the, your pick so far, and that's yeah. uh, Mark Atwater up there at Beckman. I, I went, uh, yeah, I went a little bit of a different route. It just, uh, you know, they're, they're six and oh, and, and ranked six now and, uh, by us. And, you know, uh, four of those six wins are against teams with uh, winning records. Uh, Waterloo Columbus was the, the latest one, and, and that's a that's a top ten team. Uh, but the the biggest thing is, uh, you know, they're scoring forty two points a game, which is pretty impressive, and uh, they're only giving up uh, about twelve a game. So, you know, uh, I, I think we saw this coming. I think a lot of people uh, uh, kind of saw last year as maybe being uh, maybe the, the start of something. Um, and another year under Mark Atwater, and and right now they're uh, they're doing very well. So I like the job that he's done there with the Blazers. I uh, I spoke with him. I did the I did the uh, rewind with Beckman last week, and. Uh, he says, um, you know, you know, he went to Lindmar, but he says, I think deep in my soul, I'm a small town guy. He says, this is the kind of place I belong. And, and I think that's cool. Well, his dad was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, before he went to code, didn't he coach at, at Clarence Loudon? Um, yeah, so at West Delaware, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get it from, from dad, and then we all know that. His dad's as good a coach, uh, um, you know, as there's been around here. Uh, still doing his, still doing his thing at at, at Co now. Um, yeah, very humble, very humble and down to earth people. Yes, and yep, very good people. Agreed, agreed. He uh, he had some really good teams at Clarence Loudon. I think uh, I think in '85 he was the coach there, and they, I think he was still there in '85. They got to the semis. That was still the, when the semis were outdoors, and uh, they got beat by uh, Center Point. Was that uh, the Sean Stolte era, Lindy? Uh, Stolte graduated in 85, so I think that might have been the year. Or maybe it was 84, 85, the year they got to the semis. Okay. So it was 84, 85. 
the other the other of the four downs that I thought maybe we could hit on real quick before we move on um, was the question that we got on Facebook from uh, Jennifer Schulte. Uh, she just wondered if if we anticipate some sort of increase in um, female football players in the next two to five years. Uh, and I'll let you guys, um, you know, kind of espouse a little bit on that. Uh, my personal opinion, I don't necessarily know that it will. Um, but I can see both ways, you know, with, with the, with the popularity of, of, uh, girls wrestling now, um, maybe that will spur more of them also to play football, but maybe it'll take away from football because they're concentrating on wrestling. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think on, on that question? Well, I think it's kind of hard because we really just don't know what the participation levels for, uh, you know, female football is, um, I, asked uh, uh, the Iowa High School Athletic Association about numbers and they, they don't necessarily have them available per se for this season. Um, so it's kind of hard to gauge, but we've seen females uh, go out for football and have, you know, uh, do a good job. I mean, uh, we've seen it at Iowa City West. I think North Scott's had a a running back that was a, a female here recently as well. So, um, you know, it, it's just hard to tell. But, you know, the more that do it, um, you know, the more that uh, that inspires and motivates others to, to do it as well. I don't necessarily see a trend like wrestling. Um, but uh, uh, you, you never know. It might uh, grow the the more that, uh, you know, they get opportunities. And I think you mentioned the Muscatine kicker that uh, yeah, has put together a pretty decent season so far. Yeah, six for six, PATs, uh, dropped a field goal in there as well. Um, 27, I think a 27-yarder. Uh, Thomas is her last name. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to effort uh, her first name, but um, that's cool. <laughs> Keep doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, you kind of agree with KJ and, and, and you know, yeah, his thoughts I, on this. You know, there, there might be a little bit of an impact. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a major one. You, you see you see it a little bit. I know Iowa Valley the, they had a girl that was a lineman. She was a good wrestler, too, the Peach girl, right, KJ? Oh, yeah, Millie Peach. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much she played, but uh, – I don't know. I, I think we'll we'll continue to see a little bit of it, but I don't think a lot. And Sophia Thompson. Or Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. Sophia Thank Thompson. you very much. Thank you for, for checking that. Sophia, great job. Uh, keep keep kicking. Keep kicking. So um, let's look ahead now to, to Friday night. Um, we talked a little bit about the, the two games on Thursday. Um Jeff's put together uh, kind of a list of, of some of the bigger games in the area um, and games involving the Metro and Iowa City teams. Uh, Marion's up at Decora. Um, we've got uh, uh, a big A-player game, Montezuma at Baxter, a couple of teams that are undefeated. Uh, can uh, can the Baxter Braves hang with with uh, Eddie and the Tide or Eddie and, Eddie, Eddie and the boys, Eddie Burgess and the boys? What do you think? There's going to be a lot of points scored. I think both of them are scoring in the 60s this year, and you know I think they're both a little bit 
you know, uh, both teams can be scored upon. So I, I think it's going to be a track meet. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think you better score 50 points if you want to win that game. <laughs> um, back to 11 player. There's some big games. Solon host Fairfield, uh, a pretty significant, um, district, uh, district five in class three, a matchup. And then, uh, you know, another one, another big one out of Van Horn that that very well could decide the the district champion there between Davenport Assumption and and Benton Community. And KJ, you're familiar with Benton. You saw him a couple of weeks ago. So uh, another big game uh, that the the Bobcats get to host. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a game that's going to be one up front. Um, you know, uh, Benton's got a good offense that. Uh, um, you know, with the uh, a Brecht uh, kid in the backfield and, and Cullen Book uh, at quarterback. Um, it's definitely a, a run first uh, uh, offense, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of things are going to be determined just by uh, the play in the trenches. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, could go either way, but but Benton community uh, impressed me against uh, Mount Vernon with uh, their play up front both on both sides of the ball. So um, I kind of like the Bobcats uh, and what they bring to the table there. We have the old uh, the rivalry resumes at, at Iowa City Regina on Friday night with um, uh, uh, Reg the Regals playing a uh, host to West Branch. Um, always a fun game. <laughs> uh, always a tense game uh, so it'll be interesting to to see how this year's um, you know matchup goes uh, Regina didn't play last week right because of a of a forfeit so um, be interesting to see if the Regals are uh, rusty or if if uh, rejuvenated <laughs> one or the other so yeah you know that's their second uh, that's their second buy and after the first one they were just fine I think they uh, they had a, a forfeit with Mid Prairie and uh, handled Meepo pretty uh, uh, pretty easily. Um, I don't I don't know if it'll be the the same um, just because of the you know the rivalry and the difference in uh, uh, opponent, but uh, they weren't affected uh, too much the first time around when they had a buy. So. Um, We'll see if that, that's the same. I've noticed that uh, teams don't forfeit when they play against teams that are average or below average. They, 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 they always seem to run low on kids when they're about to face a team that's undefeated or maybe has a loss. Uh, and that's, you know, that's not a coincidence. I mean, that's – let's just call spade a spade that way, right? Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're going to get – you know, you're going to get whooped and uh, – you know, if you have any sort of manpower advantage, disadvantage going on top of that, if you know, if you don't have a lot of players and, uh, you know, and, you're and not going to want to I will say this about Louisa Muscatine, though. Uh, apparently, they have forfeited uh, their game this week as well to Wilton, I believe. Okay. So, but you guys bring up a point, and we talked about that on one of the earlier four downs, I think. Uh, when Regina received their first buy, that, you know, is this something that we're going to see, uh, you know, 
a lot is this going to be more prevalent? And apparently the way things have gone so far, uh, it has been. And Linder hits it right on the head. Uh, those, those forfeits aren't really coming to teams that are one and four. Let's look at the rest of the matchups here. We've got uh, Bettendorf said Iowa City West. Iowa City High um, takes its unbeaten team uh, to Pleasant Valley um, to play the, the four and two Spartans. So um, no easy task for the Little Hawks this week. Iowa City Liberty is at Fort Madison. And Fort Madison, I believe we have ranked in our top 10 and 4A at, at 6 and 0. Uh, Kingston Stadium game Friday night is Newton at, uh, at Cedar Rapids, Washington. And just a uh, boring aside here. I saw those two teams play when I was a sophomore in high school back in 82. Uh, they played each other in the playoffs one year uh, at Kingston Stadium. And I got to tell you, boys, Newton had their entire side filled. They brought like the whole town. Uh, it was very impressive. And uh, Washington was able to win that game. But I'm pretty sure that's the last the last time Newton and Cedar Rapids Washington played against each other in football. So um, people forget of, Newton, Newton used to be uh, rabid about their, uh, yeah. their, their football. Uh, oh, for in sure. The 80s and early 90s. So, yeah. You know, um, state championship team, I want to say, in the 80s, in, in the biggest I class. So. I think they won uh, more than one. You know, and that, that was back. It's, it's a much different city now, unfortunately, with, you know, when Maytag pulled up. That was the main uh, employer in, in that city, and uh, that really took away uh, a ton of population, obviously. So, but, yeah, back in the day, the, the Cardinals were one of the, be the best big school programs there were. Uh you know, in our state. So mm -hmm. uh, looking at a couple other games, Otumwa is at Linmar. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about a couple of biggies. Clear Creek man at Cedar Rapids Xavier. Both teams are, are uh, five and one undefeated in the district guys. What do you, what do you think about that matchup at, at Saints field? If it's a one point game, I like Clear Creek man's chances. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to be a one-point game. I, I, I think I think Clear Creek's got a fine team, but I think it's this is going to be a big step up for them as far as uh, competition is concerned. And I, I think I think Xavier's probably the superior team in that one. To Jeff's point, Clear Creek Man has won three games by one point this season. So, uh, hey, you got to win no matter how, baby. Right? That's right. <laughs> right That's <Lord>. right. <laughs> Uh, and our other big game, obviously, is is uh, out at Prairie, um, Southeast Polk at Cedar Rapids Prairie. Uh, both are five and one. Southeast Polk's ranked number one, and, and Prairie's number seven. And we saw Limar hang with Southeast Polk last week, guys. Um, I think Prairie's got a legit shot to win this game. What say you? I think they've got a chance. Um, you know, they're gonna. It's going to be a deal where they're going to have to play well for, for 48 minutes and uh, to give themselves a chance. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they can go out there and compete. KJ, yeah, what do you think? You know, I, I think they, they certainly can. Um, you know, uh, if, they're on, if they're clicking on all cylinders, uh, you know, uh, and play a complete game and uh, – you know, not uh, not get caught off guard like they did against Cedar Falls. 
um, you know, that's a, that's a game they can win. Um, now, we've seen – I just think of Prairie's games with Waukee in the past where we thought that was a game that Prairie could win and, and it, it did not turn out well for, for Prairie then. For some reason, I, I'm getting the same vibes, but um, I think if there's a, if there's a chance for, if there's ever a chance for Prairie to get that big win, I think this is the week to do it. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, I do think this, um, I do think Prairie's defense is better than it has been. Um, you know, maybe in, in Coach Bliss' time here, so uh, it's, it's going to have to be good. Uh, you know, obviously going up against, you know, kids like Jackson Daly and Cole Falloon and, uh, you know, guys like that. So I think it's going to be close. I really do. Um, and I think uh, Prairie's going to give them uh, a heck of a game. So uh, where is everybody going to be Friday night? I, I will be, where will I be? Iowa City, Regina, and West Branch, KJ, uh, Lindy, where are you going to be? Saints field for the Clippers and the Saints. And it was 1980 when uh, Newton won the 4 state title. 1980. Okay, very good. Very good. Uh, I will be out at Prairie for the, the matchup with Southeast Polk. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that. Um, seeing if the Hawks can – can come away with a win there. All right. The Green, Green Gazette is where you need to go uh, tomorrow night. We'll have uh, an actual uh, paste up of, of all of our games that we're covering, box scores, all that kind of stuff. That's at the Gazette online. You can access that. Um, or just, you know, online. We'll have online stories there if you prefer that. Uh, we'll have a nice roundup uh, in Sunday's actual paper of, of thing, everything that goes on. Um, you know, tonight and tomorrow night um, should be a lot of fun. We're getting down here to the nitty gritty boys. So uh, this is where it all really, really starts to get fun. And uh, I think another dry night. So uh, weather wise. So that's good. That's good. So uh, for Jeff, for KJ, for Nathan, we thank you uh, everyone for, for joining us for another edition of the prep huddle podcast and as always we'll let uh, we'll let kj take us out don't forget to keep your head on a swivel boys <laughs>